Hi, I'm Corin. And I'm Tamir. We're two brothers who were raised in Israel by American parents. I recently moved to Canada. And I'm still in Jerusalem. We decided to make a podcast to help us stay in touch. And hopefully get even closer. This is Long Distance Brotherhood. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Going great. How about you? Uh, I'm good. What uh, what what have your last two weeks been like? Oh well, since you asked, um, I do have something. Uh, a few important pieces of news. You perhaps remember in our last podcast that I talked about having a job interview. Did you? I uh, don't recall. I I did in fact I had a job <laughs> interview. How'd it go? <laughs> It went well, and then I had another interview, and it went okay, and I got the job. Awesome. I am, in fact, starting in two days. That is wonderful news. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm excited, and I'm worried, and anxious, and all of the feelings. <laughs> I'm wondering, do you, like, um, intentionally not tell me things until we do this so we have stuff to talk about? Uh, in this case, I did. I thought it would be funny. Cool. Cool. I kind of do that, too, sometimes. <laughs> In other news, uh, we went snowshoeing, which is basically putting on weird big shoes and then walking in the snow, um, which is about as exciting as it sounds. I mean, the snow is fun, but you're like walking and the people around us were like skiing and stuff. And then I got jealous. <coughs> that sounds fun. You okay? What was that? Yeah. Um, everybody's sick here right now. Uh, my roommate's sick and... And like everyone at work is sick and everyone's coughing and I just started developing a cough. It's, it's probably fine. Oh, I'm sorry. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, for my last bit of news, I do. I want to share a story with you. Uh, something that happened to us over the last two weeks. And it's ridiculous and amazing. What happened was we needed to pay our electricity bill. You know, that happens. Yeah. And it, the process is a little bit strange here. You, we, you sort of get uh, the bill from a company as you'd expect, but then you have to pay it sort of through the bank. You have to tell the bank who you want to pay exactly, and then and then you pay them. Well, so we went to the bank and we put in the uh, the electric company in the area, and we sent the money. And then it turned out that that was the wrong electric company, and then there's another a different electric company for <laughs> our city. Uh, so we oh. sent the appropriate ones the money. But the reason I'm telling you this story, Corin, is because. After we sent the wrong electric company money, we got it back. Wow. They they just transferred us back the money because we didn't owe them any. And I was amazed. I was like, only in Canada. <laughs> we didn't yeah. ask them to give us back money. We just handed them money and they gave it back. I kind of feel like that's a sort of thing that would not happen here. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Okay, so on my end... Um... I had the first rehearsal for the tour that, that I'm going on in uh, in a few months. Mm -hmm. uh, it was cool. We mostly just talked about what's going on and what we expect from the tour and what we hope to do and, and all that good stuff. And then we all performed one song to the rest of the group. We're only six people, so it's not, not okay. that big. Um, so, yeah, and it was all good and it was really awesome. And I, I just... I left there with like an insane amount of energy, just jumping around thinking, yeah, let's do this. That's great. <laughs> so that was fun. 
By the way, apropos our last podcast, we were talking about needing to change how money works once technology starts seriously replacing jobs. Uh, and I just read a little bit about um, universal basic income, which yeah. is a social security system in which all citizens of a country regularly receive an unconditional sum of money in addition to any income received from elsewhere. Uh, and apparently, I read in uh, an Israeli newspaper, uh, Finland is going to try implementing this in 2017. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. So that's cool. It's like a long discussed system and they've done some trials with it. And it has worked surprisingly well in trials that they've done. Uh, like, because you'd sort of think that people would maybe start to get really lazy, you know, they're getting money, so they don't care or all kinds of things. But uh, it, it in in the past when they've tried it in, in smaller areas, admittedly, it worked out very well. Wait, why didn't you bring this up when we were talking about it in the last podcast? Because I had no idea this was a thing. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe it felt too much off topic. <laughs> okay. Uh, and my last bit of news is that... Uh, last the last state that voted was nevada and hillary won by just a few points even though just a few weeks earlier she was winning by over 20 percent in the polls so that's that was a pretty big deal uh there was a very major gap that that we closed even though we still lost we we lost by a much smaller margin than we had originally anticipated i like how it's we lost as if you're a part of the bernie sanders thing like you lost together with him he lost in my heart i am <laughs> So the next primaries are actually today, uh, as we record this, which is February 27th in South Carolina, where Hillary is currently winning by a large margin. Uh, so we're expecting to lose there. Uh, but new polls show that nationally, she's only at a five point lead uh, overall. So that's that is a, uh, a gap that we can close. OK, uh, I wish him luck. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, immigration. <laughs> Sorry, let me start. Corin has forgotten this. what we were talking about. Let me, yeah, this week we're talking about immigration. Uh, so I have a few questions. I was wondering if, you know, since you moved to Canada just now uh, and you spent a very large amount of your life not living there, if you feel that on some level you'll always kind of be an outsider or if you feel that you won't have a problem integrating and feeling like that's your home. Honestly, I've always felt kind of an outsider and no matter where I was. It maybe has to do with growing up in an American style and living in Israel because English is my is my native tongue and it's, it was always weird for me to be in Israeli society and having grown up uh, educated in an American way, I, I felt like an outsider. And, and now I feel like an outsider too. And for similar reasons, you know, yeah, I lived all my life in Israel and now I'm in Canada. And yes, there's a certain element of it that's, oh, wow, they're speaking my language. It also is weird. It's definitely it's definitely weird, and I do feel like an outsider. Will I always feel this way? I don't know. I hope that I'll become more, uh, more adjusted to the way things are here and to the people and stuff. But who knows? And you know what? That feeling like an outsider isn't the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. I'm just wondering, this is kind of off topic, but um, is there a lot of French in your area? No, very little. I mean, it's an official language, so all the all, all like the labels and signs and stuff like that are in English and in French. But uh, other than that, it's it's sort of like in Israel where there's there's Arabic written in a lot of places on signs and stuff, but it yeah. doesn't mean you're hearing a lot of Arabic. Uh, yeah, sort of, I guess. Uh, so Corin, you have said to me in the past that you are interested in moving to the states. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to ask you. 
what are the factors for you in choosing a place to live? Why would you decide to live one place over another? Well, I'm hoping, uh, I would like to kind of dual track my interests, uh, which are acting and music. So I kind of want a place that's best for both of those things. And, uh, there's not a very large community for either of those things in Israel. So that's why that didn't feel very, that's why I feel like I, I need to go somewhere else for that. Um, and within America, I obviously America is because I'm American. I have citizenship and, uh, I have family there. I have friends there. Um, and within America, there are different places that are better for certain things. Like LA is better for acting. Uh, you know, the East coast is pretty good for music. Um, so that's kind of, those are kind of the factors that I have. Okay. Do you, do you have any idea of where you would end up there? Uh, it's funny cause I was just talking to my friend Lizzie today and I had mostly assumed that I'd be on the East coast, like, uh, Philly, New York area. And, uh, and then she was talking about, she's planning on moving to LA and she was saying that corn, you have to come and it'll be great. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more, it's, it's a bigger area for acting. Um, and then I started thinking about it and, and now I'm really not sure, but I think, uh, I think at the beginning I'll, I'll be in the East coast and then maybe I'll move out to the West coast. It, uh, I get, I'll just, I'll see, I'll see how it goes. Now I'm not biased or anything, but I think it would be great if you moved to the West coast. It has so little bearing on you though. Like, sure. I'll be uh, slightly closer to you, but it's still not really within visiting distance. Like you sure still have to is. fly to see me. Yeah. Well, it's a plane, but it's a short plane. Yeah. I mean, even across the U.S., it's like six hours, you know? It's not such a big deal. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of uh, rhetoric about immigrants, and people are very afraid of immigrants. Um, so why do you think that is? It's not, not, and not only Syrian immigrants, but also, you know, Mexican immigrants, and especially in the U.S., there's, there's this very strong anti-immigration mindset within a lot of people. So why do you think it is that people are so afraid of immigrants? And do you see any validity to their claims? Or what would you say to disprove them? Okay. Um, I definitely understand why people, I can, I can easily understand why people are afraid of, of immigrants. It's just the kind of, you know, fear of the other that everybody has, you know, it's sort of the same thing that, that causes racism or, or all kinds of stuff like that. You know, you don't know who they are. They're these weird people, they look different, they talk different, and they're coming to live in your country, and it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, that's understandable. There's a lot of complaints about, you know, immigrants coming and taking jobs, you know, especially if there's a high unemployment or something. Uh, and then, you know, you're, you're worried about not having enough jobs as is, and then you have people on the outside coming to take your jobs, so it's scary. Um, I don't think it's something that people need to be so scared about. Um, I'm going to say something that I don't have a lot of backing for, but I heard, so maybe I can look this up afterwards. But I heard that uh, in the long term, uh, immigrants are really good for the economy of a country. Like in the short term, the, the economy takes a little blow, but in the long term, uh, they, they do well. And also that immigrants tend to be better citizens in a lot of ways, like they commit fewer crimes and stuff like that, because, you know, they want to be on their best behavior because they got this chance. And, and so they're, they tend to be good citizens. So I don't have any, any research on that. That's something that I've been told. Um, but I can, I can, it makes sort of, makes sort of sense to me anyway. And it kind of reminds me of, of what happened to the Jews, you know, because I come, I have Jewish heritage and the Jews for a long time needed asylum and wanted to immigrate to like anywhere. 
and no country wanted them. And I sort of think that in, in that situation, I, I think people should have accepted their accepted them and, and let them immigrate. So maybe I should also think that for other cases and other people. Mm. Don't feel like I answered that. Oh, well. No, no, that's, that's good. So uh, our sister uh, loves to travel and move around a lot. And she doesn't really really want to stick to one place. And you're talking about uh, moving, immigrating. So the question is, do you want to settle down or do you see yourself like moving around a bunch more? I mean, define moving around because, I mean, I want to, I don't want to just constantly be jumping from place to place just because I can't sit still. Um, but I'm not uh, against the idea of moving should the need arise. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit somewhere and, and plant my legs. I don't. I don't know what metaphor I'm going for here, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get somewhere and and just say this is my place and I'm never moving. But on the other hand, uh, I'm not I'm not just going to randomly hop on planes to places just because I can. All right, that makes sense. I was so this is a this is kind of a heavy question. Possibly I don't know. It is for me. Um, I was wondering which um, which nationality you identify most with. Uh, you know, Israeli, Canadian, and American. It's a very difficult question for me. I don't know if it is for you, uh, but it's kind of been a thing my whole life. And I was just wondering where that factors in for you. Okay, I'm going to avoid your question. <laughs> and I'm going to do that by saying that I am not a heavy believer in nationalism. I don't really identify with any country too much. You know, like, it's, it's a bunch of people in, in a place. And they they do their thing, and I want to be a person and live my life, and I don't want to support a, a a country in a theoretical sense. You know, it's just it's just a country, it's a collection of people. Um, Canada is the country that I am most uh, ideologically aligned with, of the ones you mentioned, which is why I'm here. But uh, but I don't I don't like nationalism very much. So if someone asks you to like describe yourself, that wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be something that you used. No, I would be more likely to say that I'm a nerd and a hippie and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Okay, I found a website called ifitwerehome.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this website lets you uh, compare. It has various statistics about all these different countries, and it lets you compare uh, the aver averages between countries. So I have it open right now to compare Israel to the United States. Okay, I'm going to read to you the things written here, and then and then I'll ask. A question. Okay, cool. So it says, if the United States were your home instead of Israel, you would make forty-five point eight six percent more money, have four point four two percent more free time. Right, those are the good things. But you would spend right. three point nine times more money on health care. You'd be yeah. twenty-five percent more likely to be unemployed. Be three times more likely to be in prison. Use ninety-six percent more electricity consume 94% more oil, be two times more likely to be murdered, be 55% more likely to die in infancy. I guess that one's not so relevant. Be three <laughs> times more likely to have AIDS, experience 20% more of a class divide, and die 1.7 years sooner. <laughs> so my question to you is, how do you feel about things like these? Do, do they factor into your decision? Do you think about stuff like this when you're, when you're thinking about where to live? Not really. I mean, also, those are very large averages. 
you know, that's relating to an entire country. If that was maybe on a state level, like you were telling me that in uh, Pennsylvania, you know, there's there's a much higher crime rate and I'm, I'm much more likely to die by gun violence, which is likely true. Um, then that would factor in more maybe, but that's, I mean, you're taking all of America, so that's, it feels almost meaningless because also America is very different from state to state. Right. I mean, I could pull information from a specific state, but I don't know like how different it would be. There is, there are still things that make America America, like paying a lot for healthcare is all over America, for instance. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that'll change soon. First of all, um, and second of all, I'm, I'm I'm moving for for opportunities uh, in doing what I love because I feel like I can't do it here. Um, I'm moving uh, kind of for peace of mind in in some sense. Um, Israel's not a fun place to live a lot of the time, even when things aren't actively happening. Um, it's hard knowing that, you know, me being on one side of a line means that someone else on the other side of the line is, is having a hard time. And, and that's, even when my, my life doesn't feel like it's being threatened at the moment, uh, it's, that's a hard thing to feel. And then also safety, while I, I might be more likely to die somewhere else, the, the feeling of impending doom is definitely uh, worse here, I think. Definitely. You're, you're naming a lot of the things that, uh, that made me want to leave Israel as well, particularly being on, on one side of a conflict that I didn't feel yeah. like I belonged on either side of. Yeah. And that's also the thing about, not to get like overly political here, but the thing about the conflict is also, it's important to remember that almost everyone in currently in the conflict was born into it. Like we didn't even start this conflict. We were handed this conflict, like we were handed it down and, and now we just kind of have to deal with it, which sucks. It's awful. And, and it's a really bad situation and it's not simple. Um, but I think people often look at it as something that uh, is constantly sort of being renewed. I don't know. Um, or they look at it and in one big chunk saying that, oh yeah, well, you know, quote unquote, the Arabs did this in 1960. So how, how do we know they won't do it again? Like you're talking about a different group of people entirely. Like this is not the same generation. What my parents do doesn't dictate what I do, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. Although I, I feel like, if we're already talking about this, then we probably shouldn't talk too much about it. But I feel like uh, people also tend to treat conflict in, with Israel and, and like it's been going on forever. Like it's this, you know, age-old conflict that will never end um, because it's just been going on for so long. When in reality, it hasn't been going on that long. Yeah. You know, the state of Israel hasn't existed for, for too long. And, you know, the violence hasn't been going on for much for very long before that. Uh, it's a conflict that that happened in somewhat recent history, and it's I hope solvable. Like I, I sometimes bothers me when people uh, treat it like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is definitely something we could <laughs> devote an entire hour to. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, in your opinion, what uh, what should be the requirements to become a citizen of a country? Oh, I'm not really sure how to answer that. <laughs> Kind of like I kind of like the system in the EU, where once you're a part of the EU, you can like 
travel around, you can move to another country and they don't care. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact restrictions on it. Um, I'm sure there is something. But in general, if you have citizenship in one country in the in the European Union, you can just go to another one and immigrate freely. Hmm. And so I, I kind of like that. I, I don't think the world is ready for that yet. But I like to hope that it will be at some point and that yeah. we can just move between countries. Uh, it also brings up a question of will how long will there be countries? You know, maybe at some point we'll establish some kind of world government and then it won't be relevant anymore. That could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. I'm not sure if I want to give up this this uh, separation and uh, countries. But in the event that countries remain into the future, then I think that there should be such a policy that lets them, that lets people switch freely if they want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that does potentially present other issues of like mass immigration at a level that uh, can't be properly um, managed by a country, I think, you know, because right. if, if one country goes into war and, and all of a sudden conditions become terrible in that country, you could have just an enormous influx of people uh, going to other places, which kind of is happening right now with uh, with Syria. Well, that, that's what I'm saying about the world not being ready for it now. Yeah. You know, the, the European Union's doing pretty good with it, I think. I think so. Um, this isn't specifically about countries necessarily. But at what point do you call a place home? Because my wife, for instance, wherever we are, that's home. Like if we're staying in a hotel for two days, then she calls it home. But uh, but when do you call a place home? So that's adorable, first of all. <laughs> that's so cute. Um, well, I mean, there's calling it home, like, in the sense that you're going back there at the end of the day, and you just need to refer to it as something in which I can see any kind of uh, place of operations falling under that category. And I may have even said that about places that I wouldn't consider home. You know, if I'm staying over at someone's and I'm out, then I say, I got to go home. I'm not, you know, I'm referring to their, their house. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a very specific definition for home, but, uh, but this is my third apartment that I'm living in now. Um, and it's definitely the only one that's felt like home. The first one was terrible. Uh, it it was just a, a giant train wreck of an apartment for so many reasons. Um, my landlord was terrible. Uh, he was just an awful person. And uh, the apartment was not in great condition. And uh, there was a lot of things went wrong. Uh, and then I moved into uh, an apartment with a friend of mine for two months while the apartment that I eventually moved into, which is the one I'm in now, um, was, was getting freed up by the, the tenants. Um, so that one I didn't really think of as home because I was just there temporarily for two months while this apartment was clearing out. Uh, and then I've been here for like two years now, like a long time. And uh, and it just, it's the place where I feel restful, you know, it's where I come at the end of the day and uh, and where I sleep and I feel safe and at home. And I guess that's kind of, that's all that, that really matters. Yes. You don't think of our parents' house as home, for instance? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I do refer to it as home a lot. I mean, I lived there for like 19 years. So uh, in a sense, yes. But when I say home, I'm almost always referring to this apartment. Okay. So this is another in a, in a, in a series of 
difficult to answer questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to this at all, which is one of the reasons I'm asking. So I'm hoping you can you can help me. How how do you think places should deal with illegal immigration? I'm specifically thinking about the U.S., but it's you know applicable to everywhere. Uh, more topics that I am not knowledgeable <laughs> enough. And we should have. I, I thought you'd be asking me, you know, questions about like my personal immigration or stuff like that. You know, things that would be easier for me to answer. I think that a lot of illegal immigrants can be given like work visas. I mean, I think a country needs to know about the people who are. Like, first of all, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you need to have a handle on what's going on, and you probably don't want these people. Um, so you can, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything smart to say on that. <laughs> you could try to answer it together. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think work visas is, is a good first step because the Democrats uh, stance on, on immigration is, is usually uh, opening a path to citizenship. Um, oh God, I know it's a little about this. <laughs> it's like there, there are, two general reasons why someone might immigrate illegally right into your country i mean there's a lot of reasons but the the big ones would be because they're like refugees of some sort now they're trying to escape where they are and uh like economic immigrants you know people who are coming to your country because they think it will be better for them for some reason yeah Mm -hmm. so I, I really think that you know countries need to be a lot more accepting of of you know refugee type legal immigration. Um, yeah. Of course, it's very hard often to, to separate these things. You know, if you you found an illegal immigrant, you know you have to sort of figure it out and then see what you can do for them. And I understand wanting to uh, to stop the economic immigrants, and there there are ways to do that. You know, like Israel, for instance, uh, built a wall. Keep out uh, yeah. Sudanese. They also dealt with it very poorly, I think. I think they dealt with that very poorly also. But that is a way of stopping them from coming in. Um, but ones who are in, and I, I'm, I don't love deportation. Yeah. I don't think it's a great solution, especially in, in the case of Israel. Like, I mean, it, it sort of depends on where they have to go and what will happen to them if you deport them. But uh, yeah. th- there were cases of deporting people to places they will likely get killed and things like that. Which did happen a lot here. Specifically in Israel, uh, they have a lot of uh, foreign workers that they bring in. Uh, Israel ships in foreign workers uh, to do all kinds of jobs that, for some reason, citizens don't do. Specifically elder care, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that possibly one of the solutions there for, the, for a lot of the illegal immigrants in Israel would have been to let them work and do those jobs, which they probably would have been happy to do, and, and just bring in less for, fewer foreign workers. Yeah. Which really could have made sense there. And, I mean, the, the immigrants, the, the illegal immigrants to Israel, I'm specifically thinking about the Sudanese now, like they wanted to work, they wanted to do things, and you know, they couldn't. So yeah. they ended up causing a lot of mayhem and committing crimes and stuff, because that's what happens when you're a population who can't work and is miserable. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know the situation terribly well in America, so I don't I don't just want to say things. 
No, I think that was a, actually a pretty decent answer. I think also something, because I know the Israeli situation a little bit better, something that we could have done better. And uh, I don't know if we is the right term, but something that Israel could have done better uh, was, I feel like there there could be some sort of alliance with other countries of, you know, we're getting these refugees because we're close to these countries and us saying, okay, we can hold on to them. Who can take them? I feel like that's a thing that was possible to do that no one really tried to do for some reason. Nobody wants to take them. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's interested. It's just awful. I mean, what, what ended up happening here is that they were all just thrown into a giant detention camp, uh, which sucks. And then, you know, basically forced to go back eventually. I just feel like there's got to be a better way to deal with it. So uh, if you uh, immigrate away and you go live in the U.S., how often do you think you'll visit Israel? Probably not super often, like once a year or two, uh, mostly just for family. I mean, basically, exclusively for family uh, and I guess friends. But uh, it's not it's not a trip I plan on making super regularly, if, if that's your question. Yeah, no, that was my question. I was just curious. I have to sort of figure out what I'm doing with that still. Yeah, it's hard. It's also really expensive. It is. It's very expensive, and it's also very, uh, very polluting. You know, this is. I, I try to keep my uh, carbon footprint low, but long plane rides are really bad for the environment. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to move on to the segment that answers the question: Is that still happening? So I'm going to start off with things that are still happening. Uh, the first one of which is Avatar Two, the sequel to the giant blockbuster hit avatar uh it was announced like forever ago basically when after it was a huge success and it actually starts shooting in april i read somewhere wow they haven't started shooting yet yeah i don't know what why. have they been doing all this time <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> i don't know about you but i for one am looking forward to more high budget mediocrity <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. I, I think I've had enough of that in recent years. It was such a bad movie, though. I don't understand what people liked about it. No, you know, I really, I did like Avatar, despite the horrible plot and characters. It was, it was just a fun movie to look at, you know. Yeah, I guess I just I couldn't enjoy it at all. I I can barely name one character or tell you anything about any character in the movie. Because who cared about the characters? It was pretty. But that's not the point of a movie. Why not? It can be a point of a movie. Uh, whatever. Uh, still happening with me. I still don't regret moving. And I, I think that that might happen at some point. You know, who knows? But as of now, you know, I've been here for three months now. A little more even, three and a half months. And I don't regret moving yet. So far, things seem good here. That's good. Getting a job will probably help with that. Yeah. Not still happening. The Oregon Militia's occupation of the National Wildlife Refuge. <laughs> um, one one of them actually got killed after a police pursuit. It got way darker than I thought it would. Uh, and the rest of them uh, turned, like, just, uh, they stopped. They turned themselves in or whatever. And it, and it apparently cost the government a lot of money, that whole thing. About $2 million. So that sucks. But at least that's not a thing that's happening anymore. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's kind of crazy. I'm glad it's over. Still happening. Uh, I'm sort of theming these uh, on Canada because we're talking about immigration. So these are all uh, Canadians still happening. Oh. Oh, also Vancouver. So still happening. Vancouver is still rated one of the most livable cities in the world. This has been going on for over a decade. There's all kinds of organizations that rate cities on where there's the best uh, living conditions and stuff like that. So Vancouver has been one of the highest rated ones for a long time now. That's really cool. I feel like Jerusalem is not high up on that list. Nope. <laughs> I mean, the the highest city in America, like on the list I was looking at, the highest city in America was like on the 29th place or something. Wow. So I sort of feel like Israel is probably pretty low now. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Actually, I think Tel Aviv might be a little bit up there. Like higher than, higher than like 29th. Still happening, Harry Potter. The West End is producing a play called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which takes place 19 years after the conclusion of the Deathly Hallows, which is uh, being done in cooperation with J.K. Rowling. It's canon. So Harry Potter is still going on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And not only is it still happening that way, but you know, she's putting out new books. What? She's putting out a new Harry Potter book. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two. Yeah, that's that's the same thing. That's the same thing? It's the play. Oh, she's just, it's a novelization of the play. Yeah, and it's not, a, I don't think it's a novelization. I think it's like the script or something. Fine, then. <laughs> All right. I thought it was different. I saw it as a book. Still happening. Canada is still on first past the post for its uh, election system, which sucks. At least they're they're now working on changing it. Trudeau has a has, uh, a person and or committee looking into how to best change the system. So I'm happy about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the U.S. is still stuck on it, I fear, for probably a long time. What's first past the post? First past the post. It's like this kind of election where like, you have a bunch of candidates, and then the person who gets the most votes, uh, more, the person who gets more votes than any other candidate is the leader, and everybody else is nothing. Right. Mm. It's like it's like this everything or nothing kind of deal. Right. And then what happens with stuff like that is you can have, let's say there are four candidates, right? One person gets like 30 percent of the vote and then the rest get like, you know, 20 percent or a little more. Um, and then so the person who got 30 percent will then become the leader of the country, despite the fact that the majority of the people voted against him and and have no now have no representation right. in in the country. So uh, a lot of times if you have a first past the post system it sort of devolves into a, a two party system right. because not not because you're forcing there to be two parties but because everyone's either you know they either they don't they they want their candidate in but they more importantly they don't want this other candidate in so they vote for the person who's most likely to beat him. And then you, you just sort of wind up with uh, with two candidates in the end, which is the sort of thing that happened in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so Canada also has a sim- system currently similar to the U.S., and it's a terrible system, and uh, Trudeau is trying to change it. Uh, but I don't know that there's any talk in the U.S. of changing it. No, there isn't. But it's it's really cool that someone who is elected using that system is looking into changing it. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah. No, it's pretty great. And there's a lot of better systems uh, in the world that, you know, can and should be used. Like uh, Australia. Like Australia. They have a single transferable vote, I think. Yes. No. um, Yeah. 
I'm not sure what that one means, but I think <laughs> I think in Australia the way it works is that you have like three you rank like th your th top three uh like who you want to vote for and then if one doesn't get through the, the transfers to the next one yeah that that's called the single transferable vote cool so that's what they have going in australia and that's for instance yeah. a much better system and uh and i hope that all the democratic countries who care about their democracy uh, move on to better methods yeah not still happening jeb bush is no longer running for president Aww. He uh, withdrew from the race. Very sad. Uh, I mean, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be honest, it is a little bit sad because uh, as ridiculous as it is of the Republican candidates, I feel like he was the most sane. He was he was pretty moderate. Um, I don't agree with his stances, but the other candidates are pretty crazy. So I would have rather have him as the Republican nominee, even though, oh my God, we don't need another Bush. There was a part of me that wanted uh, Jeb Bush to win to be the Republican nominee and Hillary Clinton to be the Democratic nominee. And then people would have to, like, choose a dynasty. That Why, why would you want that? That sounds terrible. <laughs> no, because it's kind of funny. Okay, <laughs> if, you, if you say so. <laughs> it's still happening. Vancouver is still masquerading as other cities in the cinema uh, while <laughs> somehow never playing itself. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, but Vancouver is a city that has lots and lots of movies and stuff filmed in it. It's one of the biggest uh, filming cities. Mm -hmm. Movies that you're familiar with, such as Deadpool and Juno and iRobot and whatever. I can name a hundred. Um, and it's always, you know, it'll be playing New York City or San Francisco or Minnesota or something in Washington State. But it, it never actually playing Vancouver for some reason. So what you're saying is that Vancouver is a really versatile actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Still happening, Alaska is still considered part of the United States, despite clearly being in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Like there, isn't, there isn't even a trail connecting it to it. Just, it's just a completely separate entity that's stuck inside of Canada. You can't go through, you can't just go to the United States from Alaska without going through Canada, which is ridiculous. Uh, you're so right. But I, I feel like after you mention that, I have to sort of bring up like other U.S. territories that are in weird places, and all kinds of islands that aren't related. What, like Hawaii? Uh, yeah, like Hawaii. Yeah, but that makes more sense to me than something that's inside someone else's territory. Like Hawaii is just an island kind of doing its own thing off the coast, and it's kind of far out, which is true. Uh, but, you know, it's not it's not like it's it, it, it's clearly within the borders of another country. <laughs> Yeah, but then you have, like, Puerto Rico, which is much closer to other countries than it is to the U.S. Like, it's next to the Dominican Republic, it's near, or Haiti. It's not near the U.S. Yeah, but it's also not. It's in an unincorporated U.S. territory, you know? Which basically means it belongs to the U.S., but people there can't vote. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wonderful. <laughs> it is really weird. Weird or terrible? A uh, combination of both. Uh, okay, not still happening. Ben and Jerry's is no longer only for people who will eat milk because they have put out some vegan flavors. <laughs> Unfortunately, still happening, those vegan flavors are not in Canada. <laughs> so I'm stuck just watching other people enjoy them from across the board. 
Yeah, there's a YouTuber that I really liked who tried them, and she she rated them quite favorably. I have to say, though, that felt like a really contrived way of talking about Ben & Jerry's making a vegan flavor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I can use this format to talk about whatever I want, and you can't stop me. <laughs> All right. I have a confession. I have a Canadian confession. <laughs> so are you going to be extremely apologetic about it? <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a has to do with Canada. My confession is, I don't know the national anthem of Canada. Oh, my God. Like, I've heard it, and I know <laughs> the first few words, I think. What are the first few words? Oh, Canada. Uh, <laughs> our home and native land, or something, I don't know. Doesn't it mention the Queen at some point? Probably. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. And the only reason I know those words is because... Because uh, they're O Canada? Because my wife was part of like a like a joke dance done at a wedding for someone, and they put in that, the, be the beginning of, of the National Anthem as a joke. So that's where I heard it. <laughs> but yeah, right. I, I should probably know this living here. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, yes, but on the other hand... It's not like someone's going to go up to you in the street and be like, what's the national anthem? Quick. You know, it's not a thing that really impacts your day-to-day -day life. You know, I usually don't measure how, how important things are by if people are going to run up to me in the street and ask me about them. <laughs> but you should. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my confession is that I still use a duct tape wallet that I made when I was a counselor at a summer camp around five years ago. Uh, and I get a lot of flack for it from my friends because it uh, looks like something a 16-year-old would carry, and I am 22. First of all, you're assuming there's a large difference here between 16-year-olds and 22-year-olds. It's not small. You're all kids as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you're not that much older than me. <laughs> no, I, but really, duct tape wallets are fine, whatever. I'm I'm surprised at your friends. I don't know. I, I feel a little silly about it. But get a new wallet. What are you waiting for? Yeah, well, the thing is that wallets are... I, I don't know. I haven't... Where do they sell wallets? I don't know. <laughs> and also, <laughs> any place that I've been that has wallets, they're all leather. So It's true. Wallets are predominantly made of leather. I have a wallet that's... Um, which isn't, obviously. Uh, and I've been told that it looks like a kid's wallet. So I guess I can sympathize, sympathize with your problem. So I actually found a uh, vegan wallet on uh, Amazon that I'm considering buying. It looks it looks quite snazzy. It looks like leather. It's fake leather. Um, and it looks quite nice. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I, I happen to like the look of mine. Like, it's fabric-y and it's kind of blue. Like, it doesn't look like standard wallet. But I, I like it. I'm happy with it. Anyway, I have a confession, uh, which is a story. So I'm going to tell you this story. All right? Okay. So we were invited to a party, my wife and I. I'm going to call her Ray from now on, okay? Is that all right? Sure. Sure. Uh, so Ray and I were invited to a party, and we offered to make stuffed mushrooms. Everyone was bringing some kind of food. And so Ray was had the idea to, to bring stuffed mushrooms. So we, we have this thing we make sometimes. It's like a cashew, cashew cream stuffed mushroom kind of a thing. It's mm. really yummy. And then so so that day... We we started, you know, we got all the stuff. We made 
tons and tons of stuffed mushrooms. And then we were just sort of hanging around and looking at them. And then we started thinking, well, if we were to not go to the party, we could eat all these stuffed mushrooms ourselves. <laughs> and that is what we did. Oh my god. We are horrible antisocial creatures. We stayed home and we ate all the fucking stuffed mushrooms. When was this? Last week. <laughs> this is why we do not have friends in camp. What? Like you could go to the party and still eat the stuffed mushrooms. <laughs> Yeah, but then we'd have so much fewer, and then also we would have to leave the apartment. Wow. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Well, I am what I am. I don't deny it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I used to think, until embarrassing really recently, that uh, etc. was pronounced with an X, like etc. Oh, no. Yeah, no. It's one of those things that once you learn, first of all, you feel like an idiot, but then also you can't unhear it when people are mispronouncing it, and it it just it's like grating. I don't I don't hear people doing that so much, but yeah, it's kind of like like nuclear and stuff like that. Yeah, I hear people doing that all the time. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're there's a lot of very common mispronunciations, and the thing is that it really shouldn't bother us because the point is to be understood, right? If they're getting their point across and you understand what they're saying, then it really doesn't matter at all, right? There is no right and wrong with language. Language is meant to be an aid in communication. But but somewhere, like, it, somehow it bothers. I don't know why it bothers me <laughs> and other people, but it does. There's something about, like, this is the way it's supposed to be. When people do it otherwise, it's annoying. Yeah. Um, I, I have a confession that you're going to be upset at me for. Okay. And I have not always exercised my right to vote. And not only that, but I haven't even signed up to vote for the coming elections in America. So I am upset about it, but at the same time, I am also guilty of this. Uh, because the first uh, American election that I could vote in, I kind of put off registering to vote and then it didn't happen. Thankfully, Obama got elected, but uh, but not thanks to me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so that's that's a pretty embarrassing confession, especially given how like um how loud I am about politics. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I am re- I, I I did register now, so so yeah, but uh but that is quite embarrassing. For all you people listening to the podcast, you should vote. Voting is important. Don't take your lessons from us. <laughs> or or do understand that we made a mistake and 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 learn from it. Yeah. So I had a, I have a confession that is for the first time, I think I've never really done this before actually ties in with the topic of the day, but we also kind of covered it before, which is that I really don't know what nationality I identify with. I also am not like a big believer in, in, in nationalism, but, uh, but I do kind of see it as part of my identity and, you know, my whole life in Israel, people have been saying that I'm American. And when I go to America, people say I'm Israeli and it's just kind of, it's just kind of all around very confusing, uh, and I feel like everyone's pawning me off on someone else, you know. <laughs> but I, I also I, I also understand why because the same way when when you'd see someone who uh, immigrated from Russia to Israel, you would call them Russian because they kind of are in a way. Like you just see them as Russian, you know, culturally, and they speak Russian. 
So uh, you go, yeah, yeah, Ilya is Russian. So uh, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I've lived here my whole life and I'm fluent in Hebrew and I'm culturally pretty Israeli. So it's weird to me when people... It's What bothers me isn't that people say that I'm American, is that they say I'm not Israeli. Like, you don't get to choose that. You don't get to dictate to me what I am. So be like me. Don't let it be a part of your identity. You don't need that. You don't need to be Israeli or American. Yeah, but I don't know if if I don't want it to be part of my identity. You know, I think that it does play a part in who I am. And that's kind of, to me, what, what makes an identity is what you're comprised of. And, and I think I am comprised of both those things, both both uh, American and Israeli. So maybe you're an American Israeli. Yeah, maybe. So, Corin, uh, until next time, I hope you figure out who you are. <laughs> Have an identity <laughs> that you're happy with. I hope the tour goes well. And uh, whenever that happens, probably not before the next podcast, though, right? Definitely not, no. So until next time, good luck on the job. That's so exciting. Uh, and I can't wait to hear more about it. And, uh, and, and vote. Just vote. Uh, yeah, I will. Just in general, you know, if someone's giving you a decision, just vote. Make your voice heard. So if somebody says, do you want vanilla or chocolate ice cream? So I should place a ballot. Absolutely. Okay. Democracy. <laughs> Thank you for, for this lovely conversation, Karin. Always a pleasure. Thank you, too. Thank you to all of our listeners who listened and to all of our listeners who did not listen, <laughs> um, especially if you're deaf and that's the reason you didn't listen. I appreciate you, okay? You are <laughs> fine just the way you are. Um, <laughs> thank you especially to people who listen and also talk to us about it afterwards, uh, of which there are a few. Some, some friends. Hi, Gavi. Uh, and, uh, this is a podcast that we do once every two weeks. So if you're looking forward to it, that's, that's our schedule. You can send us any kinds of questions or comments or feedback at longdistancebrotherhood at gmail.com. And always remember a penny saved is worth two in the bush. <laughs> Bye. Bye.